Let's be honest. Life's hard sometimes. We get discouraged, struggle in our faith, and it's easy to feel alone. Despite how you might feel sometimes, know that God's got your back. And so do we. Vision's prayer line team are ready to pray for whatever you're going through. Text your prayer request to 0401 132 888 and we will be praying for you. Or click prayerline at vision.org.au. That's 0401 132 888 or vision.org.au. It's another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We've been connected with the tour of Brett Ryan, the CEO of Focus on the Family, who has been traversing the nation this year, sharing real biblical wisdom on parenting and relationships in today's culture. Well, in case you hadn't noticed, times they are a-changing. And parents need to be alert to the pressures of our rapidly changing world on our children and on our families. Well, Brett Ryan is our guest this hour. Brett Ryan, special welcome back to 2020. Good morning. Well, Brett, great to talk to you. And I know you've been traveling around the countryside, but it's not just around the countryside because we're welcoming you back from your visit to the mothership in... The United States. That's correct. I was attending the International Directors Conference in Colorado Springs, and I just arrived uh, yesterday. And uh, so I'm a little bit jet lagged. So hopefully I'll keep people engaged, and I won't go into sort of gibberish uh, every now and then. My wife said to mention on radio when you're doing the interview with Neil, make sure you preempt it with saying you might be a little bit jet lagged. No, well uh, you're looking. Quite perfect and bright to me. So uh, just great to be able to have you in the studio. You have got uh, this program that you've got happening, this tour around Australia. And, of course, home base is in Melbourne in Victoria. And you've been jet-setting around the nation uh, in a predetermined set of uh, various churches that are having you speak. Uh, how's things been going so far this year? I mean, yeah, It's what's been sort of- wonderful. I mean, I started off with the idea because it's our 25th anniversary of Focus on the Family being here in Australia. And so I contacted Vision thinking, oh, what a great opportunity. Media partners, we work well together. And they said, uh, we'll take over. We'll organize it for you. And I said, maybe 10 to 15. Well, I think it's up to about 35, 36 places now. So, yeah, they've kept me pretty busy. Uh, and no doubt uh, you're feeling a little lagged because of some of that as well. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm expecting to, to hear these great reports uh, through the rest of the year as well, because in September, we're already nearing the end of August, uh, you've got some dates which are a little closer to home. Uh, Country Victoria visiting places like Horsham on the 1st and 2nd of September and Yarrawonga the following weekend. Uh, into October, you've got a bunch of dates in South Australia and into New South Wales and And in November, you've got some very big meetings that are happening in Sydney. So uh, just as a little preview for those who are wanting to, you know, to go and see uh, Brett Ryan talk about family, you'll be able to get the details when you go to vision.org.au. There'll be a focus on the family uh, banner that you'll be able to click on there. But Brett, let me bring you to the mothership, uh, the directors of Focus on the Family around the world. Uh, some listeners might be surprised knowing that Focus on the Family has global mm. context 
Uh, where does Aussie families sit in the context of what other countries are dealing with? That's at this a great time? question because being with the other officers and hearing what they're going through and some of the uniqueness that they experience, uh, there's so many different. There's Canada, there's New Zealand, there's Mongolia, there's Taiwan, there's China, there's Malaysia, Singapore, South Africa, Costa Rica. And when we're sharing about some of the challenges we're facing, there are a lot of similarities, but there are some uniqueness. And particularly in some of the Asian countries where they're not allowed to speak about Christianity and proselytize so openly, I would even say sometimes in Australia we find it difficult to talk about God because people will be offended even if you mention the name of God. And so we have to earn that right to speak into people's lives. And I think healthy families and healthy relationships is where you can start to earn that right to speak into people's lives. But one of the things that I was reflecting just coming back of what is common amongst all the nations, uh, mental health seems to be very, very prominent. And uh, although I gave a presentation because we've just released a new resource called uh, the Born Survivors Micro Course. It's a, a short um, online tool that people, everyone could be, um, go through to get a narrative, to become more confident in speaking about, uh, depression, grief, and suicidal ideation. Cause I think everyone needs to have a narrative, needs to be more confident with dealing with people. So I presented that at the conference and everyone's going, I need, I need that. I need that. I know I can make it in, we make it into our own language. And I said, there are be more than happy to have all of our resources because people need to be more confident. A lot of people don't know what to say. So that mental health is a very common theme. Um, Australia is about 52 in the world of the number of people to committing them, committing their lives um, to death. You know, I'm just thinking they think that this short-term problem, whatever they're experiencing, and they, the only solution is this long-term solution that they're going to take their own life, and it's so devastating. And a country like Mongolia has the fifth highest suicide rate in the world, and so they were very keen to talk about those things. Well, having that sort of context uh, will be really enlightening to listeners to our conversation today because we'll often hear about our high suicide rates. What mm. you're saying is, if you put it in context, ours are not as bad as a lot of other countries around the world. And I wonder whether you are able to reflect on maybe some of those countries and the Christian foundations of those countries. I mean, yeah. do countries with Christian foundations have as high a suicide rates as those who don't? I mean, I'm not sure how, no, how that's you a, that's understand a, that's that's an excellent um, observation. Places where there's no hope is where the, the greatest challenge is. And it doesn't matter about affluency or even with the access to having faith. Like America is the 38th highest country in the world. 45,000 people in the United States took their own life through suicide. and um, But it's all a, a relative degrees because they talk about how many deaths per 100,000. And Australia is about I think 27 per 100,000. And so in Australia last year, about 3,000 people took their own life and, uh, in Australia. So when we think about that, you know, about one, about seven to eight people every day will take their own life through suicide. So it's significant. It doesn't matter even if where we are on the scale, one life is too many being taken. Uh, that's right. I was going to say it's tragic when you lose one life. Uh, America at number 38 on the list. I think you said Australia 52. Mm. Um, but who's at the top? Do you remember? Uh, some of the European countries where there is no hope, poor employment, uh, high alcohol content, 
um, driven society. Uh, I think it was Kakistan K- or something like that. I can't remember the actual pronunciation, but it was a, a European. I think that was the country that was the, the highest in the world. Uh, but Mongolia um, was about three a couple of years ago. They've just done some improvement on talking about mental health and they've gone from number three to number five. So, but countries that have a very low key, a very relaxed lifestyle in the Caribbean, it's almost negligible. No one takes their own life through in, in the Caribbean country. So I thought that was quite a fascinating observation. But even in countries that have a faith, um, and, uh, in a Western culture and affluent and have hope, that still doesn't make them immune for having mental health issues. And so here in Australia, we're being very proactive. And I think that's the very key word, being proactive rather than reactive. And that's the reason why we produce that resource that's available for everyone that they can go to our website um, to download and just have a little bit more confidence in knowing what to say, when to say it, how to say it, what to look out for, and some of the myths to be broken about talking about suicide and grief and depression. Now, one of the biggest, most wonderful strengths of Focus on the Family is that you have this wonderful Christian foundation for building your family. And I wonder, because you mentioned a number of countries where uh, it's actually quite hard to be openly Christian. So what with nations, uh, you mentioned Mongolia. I think it's it's tough to actually be openly Christian there. Mm. Uh, when you've got Focus on the Family outfits in those countries, how do they bring this Christian message through, or or is their family uh, message uh, really, you know, about you know, mum, dad, and the the three kids, and uh, all getting on well? How, how do they actually bring any Christian well, faith they, into there? They have to be very sensitive to their culture. Um, I can use the example of say Malaysia. They work hand in hand with the government, which is a you know highly Muslim country, but they know that they're a Christian organisation. They know and recognise, and they welcome the input from um, the the Christian faith can bring and the resources that Focus on the Family provides. Being sensitive is one thing, but they just can't be as openly, you know, on the radio or on um, in their marketing to, to have Christian content in as part of their their um, their produce or their resources. Um, China would be another very sensitive issue, but they work alongside the government, and the government recognizes that the resources that Focus on the Family can provide are really helping. I mean, it's it, it's quite extraordinary when they work alongside and collaborate together in relationship, in partnership. And actually, they they take um, they welcome the input because they know that, say, for example, in China, the divorce rate is significant, and so they know that helping families and couples together navigate some of the complexities of conflict resolution and and navigating some of the challenges that marriages can uh, can occur is going to be good for the nation. And so they're actually welcoming the input from Focus on the Family, um, but again, being very sensitive to the content that is actually produced. And Brett, when we've got this mental health resource, uh, which is, this is a Brett Ryan, uh, you've put that together? And, oh, it's, uh, oh, I'd say Focus it, on the Family has in Australia, focus, okay, yes. Okay, right, yeah. okay. I do the uh, voiceover work. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, uh, you've got this Christian foundation to the way Focus on the Family does family training, and you're wanting families to develop with this Christian foundation. And, uh, and I'm wondering just so far as this Christian foundation, we take this for granted in Australia. 
And there are families who are saying, we just do family. Uh, you know, we don't need to have this Christian input. We don't need to have Brett Ryan come to our town. Or, or maybe if he's coming, maybe I don't need to go. But there's something special about having this appreciation of God in the middle of your family that ought not to be missed. What is the value of bringing this Christian foundation to the way we do family? It's an excellent question. It's, it's, it's quite extraordinary in the privilege that you get speaking before a group of people and talking about families and talking about relationships. And I just think this is the best thing you could ever do. If you can navigate somebody going from one degree to another degree, and they will end up in a far different position than they've ever been before. But even if you don't have faith, the, the biblical principles work. It just works. There's no one can deny that it works. You know, when it talks about, um, uh, you know, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become answer, uh, slow to become angry. People go, well, that's so wise. That's excellent. Where does that come from? That comes from the Bible. But they go, well, if I apply that principle into my everyday world, be quick to listen. I need to listen a bit more attentively. Be slow to speak. You know, I, I quickly respond and I want to be heard really, really quickly. And, and I get angry. I've got a short fuse. If I can apply some of those principles, hey, this biblical stuff really works. And so that is how we can apply biblical principles into our everyday world. And then it may just open up someone's heart and mind to think, actually, I had a preconception. I, I, I didn't think that this Bible stuff works. But if we apply those principles that God has given to us and put into our everyday language and everyday lives, it could really make a difference in my world. And you know what's exciting about this is that these principles are coming from God's word. Uh, they're coming from the wisdom of Almighty God about how to raise a family. And uh, for some who are getting similar principles uh, through their secular psychologist uh, who's telling them all about uh, good family principles, uh, those two are in some sense coming from this foundation of God's word about how you do good family. Uh, but we want to give God all the glory. Mm. He's the one who has interest in families. And I imagine that people sell themselves a little bit short or they miss out on the essence of where that family foundation comes from when they ignore God and leave him out of the question. Uh, but Brett Bryan, you, you are doing just a, a fabulous job with Focus on the Family, and no doubt there'll be people who will be wanting to uh, see you when you are speaking on tour around Australia, and we'll mention again very shortly where you'll be able to see Brett coming up in the next little while. Brett Ryan, the CEO of Focus on the Family, who is a little jet-lagged right now, having just arrived back from the United States where he met with directors of Focus on the Family from all over the world, and what a great insight into what's happening with Australian families. But Brett, let's come back to some of those big challenges that are facing us here in Australia when it comes to family. And I know you've identified some priorities and the sorts of questions that people must be asking when you've got the Q&A session, uh, coming home and saying, you know, my kids have been sitting in school and they're teaching the Safe Schools program and uh, there's issues of gender fluidity and all of this sort of thing. How am I going to answer my kids uh, when this is what their school teachers are teaching them. Uh, what do you say to families who are really struggling with this idea right now? Yeah, it's, it's a common question I get asked about how do we navigate this. But I'm going to go back a little bit further. Quite often when people sort of defend them, their the right 
that they should say, as parents, we have the right to speak to our kids about sex and sexual diversity and all this type of things. And I say, absolutely, you have the right. But when I speak at a parenting seminar, I say, how many of you have actually spoken to your children about sex or sexuality? Quite often, you're only getting maybe three, possibly six percent of them putting their hands up. So there's one thing about knowing that they should be speaking about sex to their children. The second part is they need to do something about it. And I often think that parents are reluctant because they're not experts in talking about it. And they're uncomfortable and they have to get out of their comfort zone to talk about these things. And so we at Focus would like to equip parents to make them informed about how to have those conversations. They're tough conversations. They have to be brave conversations, but they're conversations that need to be said. And so we're actually in the proactive aspect of trying to equip parents to be able to have those conversations and give it with a biblical worldview that the the way that God has made us and designed us has to be protected and valued and treat yourself with dignity, value and, and self-respect and helping parents giving the right language to talk to their children and their adolescents on how to speak about those things because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when your children are going to be exposed to those things and if many of the governments especially in the, some of the state governments they're very much more proactive in getting the children as young as four and five year olds to be exposed to those type of things. And that's the reason why parents need to be better informed about having these very uncomfortable conversations, but very important conversations. Well, I expect it strikes a chord uh, when you're face-to-face with an audience and you start to do a quick survey and, you know, put your hand up if you've ever taken that opportunity to speak to your teenager or your child. And what you're talking about here is an issue of confidence, And it sounds to me, with such a small response of parents that are engaging with their children, this is a crisis of confidence Mm. that parents have to be able to even take a Christian faith position on some of these issues because it really it takes an extra Christian faith position if you're talking about this issue of gender fluidity because we know we're created in the image and likeness of God and he created Adam and Eve, man and woman. Mm. And so we've got this black and white capacity to appreciate truth, but parents have a crisis of confidence about speaking to their children. Is this theological as well, do you think? I I think because it is becoming so normalized in our culture today, we've been desensitized or deprogrammed to think black and white now. We've been thinking is it really that bad? And, uh, you know, is it, is it, you know, because someone knows somebody who knows somebody who's actually identifies with same sex attraction and they're a lovely person and they're great. And, you know, so why am I so black and white about these issues? And that becomes that lowers someone's confidence in how to speak to their children about these issues. And sometimes the kids have been exposed to these different things. And, and if you speak to a lot of younger people, Gen Y's and below, they would actually have been much more desensitized to these issues and which makes it so more difficult to have these, as you said, the black and white conversations. We need to be sensitive. We need to be uh, attentive to how our children respond and we need to actually get them to start 
thinking about some of their um, responses or start thinking about their belief systems and not not necessarily undermining their opinions or undermining their thought processes, but actually to question their thinking and that get them to come to their own conclusions because they they come to there there's only maybe one voice of the hearing and that may be that you know gender diversity and fluidity is the only way it makes sense according to what they're being fed but as parents we need to actually feed them with some healthier alternatives and if that's all we're hearing we think that's the way everybody thinks and we might all be a little nervous that if we put our hand up and say uh, you know i believe there are male and female and that's the uh, that's the two difference that's the polarizing thing uh, male uh, female but when we're parents it's not a matter of putting our hand up in a crowd and expecting to be shot down or called names. Uh, these are our children who are mm. at risk here if we don't share with them truth. Uh, so this confidence issue it truly is a crisis because parents need to be able to block out what they might think others will criticise about them in public and say, this is what I want to teach my children mm. and I'm going to take the opportunity in private to do that. Uh, what's, what's your encouragement for parents to, to not worry about what others are saying, but go with go with a godly yeah. agenda? Well, I th- we at Focus have sort of three eyes: being informed, being involved, being intentional. Being informed, you need to get information. And we at Focus, and there's probably other resources they can get, but we've actually got some tools on how to have those conversations, those tough conversations, how to talk to your kids about sex, how to talk to your kids about pornography, how to talk to your kids about LGBT and identity. And so they're available on our website website and you can go uh, download the parenting toolbox and there's some information about becoming more confident at an age-appropriate level and that's the key word age-appropriateness it's not a a, a linear number as soon as you get to this age because some children are much more mature and you need to be very sensitive to those things so again being informed is one part being involved you earn the right to speak into your kids lives and being intentional there is plenty of opportunities to talk about these things we shouldn't let them go when you're in your car when you're in the shopping center when you're watching a movie when you're watching a tv show there's always a good opportunity to say hey what are your thoughts about that hey what what what's your thinking process you you saw that 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 couple what 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 are you what's going on in your mind get in to start thinking those things and that's that intentionality aspect how much do you need to know as a parent to be able to have this level of confidence because if i think that it's open ended and i've just got to keep on learning and learning before i've actually got this level of confidence mm-hmm. uh, i mean is there do you like to uh, to you know reduce this idea down to well these are the important things that you need to be relaying today uh, how do you say now i know enough now I am equipped. Now I can speak to my children with confidence. Uh, I think there's never enough because the world's changing so often and you can't keep up with it, everything. But you can actually start asking your kids some questions. Hey, what have you, what are your thoughts about those? What have you heard? And getting them that, that dialogue and making sure it's a dialogue, not a monologue is a really important thing. But. I mean, the basic, to answer your original question, how much do you need to know? You know, you need to know a little bit more than they know. Yeah. So as if you can get that little bit of an edge, you know, you're an expert because you know a little bit more than they do. Um, unfortunately, many parents think two things. Well, the school will look after it. 
you know, and they sort of default to the, the schools to look after them. You know, they're the experts, but the teachers aren't necessarily experts. They're going through a curriculum. They're going through some information. I, I think parents need to be better informed and, and more confident to talk about these issues, knowing a little bit more than your kids. But if they ask you a question that you don't know, don't try and fluff it and try and make it up. Say, hey, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. I'll look that up. Why don't we look? We research together. Bring them along on the journey. You don't have to be an expert. And kids want real, authentic, and genuine. They don't need to be, you know, pacified and you know, app, you know, uh, just make them feel like um, you're making up an answer when you don't really know what the answer is. And I think if you're the, keep that in uppermost in your mind, kids will actually listen to what you have to say. It's really, really controversial. Uh, love what you're saying. Uh, because the teachers at school are teaching the curriculum. And as you say, Brett Ryan, uh, the teachers are teaching something that they believe is written by experts. Now, if I was reflecting on the very controversial Safe Schools program uh, that those who present that would say is written by experts, well, the next thing we understand about that is that the experts that wrote that have their own ideology to feed into and shape a whole generation. Yes. So as parents, we ought to be a little bit even fearful or angry about the fact that this ideology has crept in and is influencing our children and taking them away from this responsibility that we will gladly take. Mm. Uh, what are your thoughts for just how that ideology creeping through and so-called experts yeah, are trying unfortunately, to it's shape not creeping. It's, it's coming with a sledgehammer. It's really, it's not even subtle anymore. It's and, just, and we're in Victoria. Yeah, in it's Victoria, worse, worse it's probably in Victoria. very, very much so. But even some of the school's programs that have been developed, initially the Safe Schools program, there are some elements in the Safe Schools program that actually are quite good. It, you, know, you know, you can't take it, all of it out and say and, and say this is wrong and this is wrong because some of it's actually quite good. It gets people to start thinking because it actually started as an anti-bullying program. But instead of just being anti-bullying, it started looking at gender diversity and gender fluidity. And I mean, as a, a person who deals with a lot of young people with who are being bullied as well, gender diversity is not the number one issue. People get picked on because of their shape, their size, their intellect, their lack of coordination with sport. There's a lot of variety of issues, not just about sexual diversity and sexual fluidity. So I think when we're talking about this issue um, of about how it can be subtle, parents need to be well informed. We need to know what our kids are educating, uh, being educated about and asking them questions, not assuming that it's all being processed because I know a lot of other mothers and fathers have come up to me and spoken that their kids are quite distressed of hearing this information because let's face it sexuality is a complex thing anyway just just let's just put that out sexuality is a complicated thing and it takes years and years for couples you know married couples to navigate this adding another dimension of sexual diversity and sexual fluidity into the mix if you're trying to teach a five and six year old this complex issue of sexuality plus this other issue it's mind-blowing, and it's not subtle, and it's not, not creeping in. It's been right in their faces, and it, and it makes sense to get into kids' world earlier and earlier and earlier, which desensitizes them to looking at these things with a, you know, with a biblical worldview or a God-mind mind view. Uh, Brett, all of this is so controversial, 
And uh, as I was saying, here we are in Victoria and there's a state election coming up and uh, and I can put you on the spot and say, well, uh, Brett Ryan does focus on the family, take a political position on this because uh, I know that does put you on the spot because I know you want to reach uh, people, families, parents on mm. all sides of whatever political spectrum. But there is a sense here, isn't there, that when you talk about these things and you say that gender is not fluid, there is man and there is woman, uh, that sometimes when you even raise that, people assume you are being political, mm. but you're coming actually from a Christian foundation when you say that. Uh, how open can you be about just how bad safe schools is, given that you've got a, a polarisation both sides here mm. in Victoria. You've got the Labor government wanting to promote this safe schools. You've got the opposition saying, no, we're going to abolish it. Uh, I can tell just by looking at you that, you know, you're going to take a side here. Mm. Well, I think what I'd like to focus on the family in Australia to be known for is what we're for, not necessarily what we're against. We're for healthy families and healthy relationships and how we navigate that. And we're saying, hey, there is the best way. This is the ideal way. Man and woman in the holy union and matrimony of marriage together and then forming that union to create new life and to actually instruct our children that this is the best way. This is the ideal. This is the way that God had intended. And so when we say about where does focus on the family fit on a political, we would say we're apolitical. We're not necessarily on one side or the other side, but we're here for healthy families and healthy relationships. And so as my response to that is I would say, hey, when we're not for sexual diversity and we're not for sexual fluidity, because the science is not there. It hasn't been proven, and there's so much data that I could actually rattle off with you right now that is not actually told to Joe Public about the dangers that this uh, indoctrination, early indoctrination is causing and re resulting in uh, even further confusion and further grief and further depression and, unfortunately, suicidal thoughts as a result of that you know, to encourage people to go forward, especially when they're questioning their where they fit into their sexual spectrum. And Brett, uh, these Q&A sessions that you've been having while Focus on the Family, this wonderful national tour that you've got going, are parents raising these sorts of issues in the Q&A sessions? Uh, uh, yes, they and are. as a matter of a number of other issues as well. There's nothing really new under the sun. Um, I mean, the, you can go from the, you know, my kids are addicted to technology. That's a very common thing. Uh, my kids are throwing, their siblings are uh, fighting all the time. Sibling rivalry is another common one. Um, you've got the shy, introverted child and how they bring them out. A lot of children on the autism spectrum disorder and how we navigate that with special needs. Um, there's a whole variety of issues. The safe schools is one part of numerous parts that people are dealing with. Drugs and alcohol, pornography, uh, talking about sex. There's a whole variety of things that you need to be, um, you know, at, at every place is different, but at the same time, there's nothing new under the sun, really. Some of these issues are controversial and some of them, uh, it's the bread and butter that has made focus on the family, a trusted uh 
organization that has integrity and wants to build the strength in families. And I know you're bringing that and uh, just a privilege to be able to know you and to have you in the studio today to talk about some of these things. I'll mention where you're going to be speaking coming up and and listeners will need to go to vision.org.au to uh, to click on a banner there to just find the dates and the venues. But you'll be able to see Brett Ryan speak and uh, yes, some of the things he is saying are controversial. Some of these things you just cannot leave be or you cannot avoid. You must confront these and engage with your children. He's going to be speaking in September throughout country Victoria. I know that there is uh, some dates for Horsham on September 1st and 2nd and Yarrawonga the following weekend. Uh, through the month of October, there's a bunch of South Australian dates and New South Wales dates. And in November, he'll be focusing on Sydney. And so let me encourage you, uh, make sure you do find your way to one of these gatherings. Uh, if it's in a town or a city near you, you won't want to miss what Brett Ryan has to share about families, because families, as we've been hearing, have parents in a state of crisis as to how they're raising children. Uh, Brett Ryan, just wonderful getting your insights once again. I want to thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us on 2020. You're more than welcome anytime, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.